into the Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your host, Lauren McClain. How's it going, everyone? It's good to be back with you on this fall Saturday. It's already mid-football season, and the dreams of some team's fans are already dashed. But if you're fans of the boys in Provo, hopes of an undefeated season are sky high. We'll see what the Broncos have to say about that. But speaking of fans... Did you know there is such thing as a professional fan? There's someone who gets paid to be a fan. Where do I sign up? Professional crowd igniter and public speaker Cameron Hughes will join me later in the show to talk about how he got started in the biz and what it takes to get compensated for your fandom. But first, the man who claims he is a fan of none, Ben Bagley. What's up, Ben? Wait, hang on. There's professional fans? (laughs) Yes. Yes. And we're. Do you go to school for this? The second part of the show. Like, I'm sure Connor's nope, a great just, guy, and I'm not questioning his, anything about him. I'm just like, I didn't know that this Cameron, was a his thing. His name's Cameron. Sorry, Cameron. I see. I just <laughs> like. Did you go to school? Is there a degree for this? Like, we're gonna find out. I I have a lot of questions for. This I'm guy captivated. I'm super, so my Ben, if someone paid you to go to different events and hype people up, would you do it? Would you do that? I learned, paid to do it. I learned a long time ago that everybody has their price. So, yes, depending on what the paycheck looked like. <laughs> how, how much would it take for you to go to say, man, I, I don't know. Not, <laughs> Who I'll, are the Raiders' I'll, I'll just, nar- arch nemesis? Uh, if you're talking Broncos or Chiefs, it might take a little. That paycheck better, better have another zero on it. But Daddy, <laughs> Daddy's looking for a new set of golf clubs, so it's not going to take a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. I think that'd be a blast, except it would take a lot of energy. Uh, and the Cougars play a two and three Boise State this week. Week doesn't mean much in this rivalry, honestly. Much like the Utah game, the current record says little about how the game's going to go. And beginning in 2025, BYU is scheduled to play Boise every year until 2034. And obviously, with BYU getting the Big 12, that may not happen. But there's something about this matchup that the two schools and their fan bases like, and probably ESPN as well. Ben, in your opinion, what makes this a desirable game each year? I think it's interesting because the, it is a rivalry. There's no doubt about that. Um, I don't know that it's like there's not that venom. Um, there's not that vitriol between the fan bases yet. I, I think there's still the fan bases are at least on speaking terms, uh, so to speak, where, where right. that's a little bit different with BYU and Utah and BYU and Utah State, where there's a little bit of vitriol there, a little bit of state pride, but you're crossing state lines here. And I think it's just the fact that these are two teams that are very much alike each other in, in the national <laughs> landscape of things, where they're, where they're fighting for that respect because we're the little guys, you know. Now, BYU's not the little guy anymore. They got the invitation to the Big 12 Conference. It's going to be interesting to see how that changes. But, but BYU for a long time was that trendsetter of the non-P5 school. Then along comes Boise State, and they frankly almost they, they they like dethroned the Cougars for a while when they had their Fiesta Bowl run and their Chris Peterson run and all this stuff. And now BYU's coming back around, so it's like these two teams have been on a teeter totter in G five Independent Land, fighting for that 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 mantra of hey, we are the best of the not best, so to speak, from a national landscape. And don't get offended by <laughs> by me saying that. It's just hey, there's there's P fives, and then there's everybody else and Boise State and and BYU have, have long been the two teams with you throwing a few others like UCF and Cincinnati and a couple others who've had their runs but these are the two most consistent brands of the last decade decade and a half on that uh, in that landscape uh, let's talk about that a little bit there, there's a lot of crossover between the two schools with recruits and fans and and honestly it's it's been a fun ride with the Broncos 
No pun intended, Ben. I know you love some puns. Uh, but I asked Twitter uh, what they thought Boise State fans are known for. And, of course, we got the stereotypical responses about potato farmers. But my favorite response was Preston Darger, who said he thought they were known for having a healthy chip on their shoulder, just like their teams on the field, and they want to belong. And just like you said, Ben, I said, that sounds like BYU to me. And maybe that's why the rivalry feels right is because the two teams have been very similar for the last 20 years. It's, it's a very proud fan base in a good way. They love their team and their school and their state. And it's wonderful. But Ben, what do you think of when you think of Boise State fans? Uh, I don't think, I, in all honesty, I, I like, in all seriousness, like, I've always respected the program. I've not had a lot of inter. I, I have one good friend who's a Boise State fan, and he's just a little crazy, but I can't, I can't judge the whole fan base based on him. <laughs> but it's it just, it's like, like, when I think of Boise State, it's not necessarily the fans. It, the, the obvious and the only thing that everybody thinks about is the blue turf. And we were watching, right. I, I was watching the Boise State game uh, this past weekend. Um, and, and I sit at my house and I'm watching it and my son walks into the room and goes, dad, why is that turf blue? And I go, I have no idea. <laughs> I just, I, I don't know why it just, they thought it was a good idea. They didn't keep the receipt. So they're stuck with it. I don't know. But, but, <laughs> but that, that's what Boise State's known to for me. Like, to, I think the majority of fans across the country, as far as like putting their fans or trying to say, Hey, this is a Boise State fan. I don't really have that. I, I don't really have a thought on saying, Hey, this is what I think of when I say, I think Boise State fans. It, I think the Smurf turf was actually a brilliant move by Boise State. Everybody hates playing there, but I think that's one of the reasons they are nationally known. I mean, not only you mentioned before, kind of in the early 2000s, they made a really great run, um, and they were had some, some great teams, some great quarterbacks, so obviously that's why they became more prominent, but I think the blue turf is exactly like you said. It's what everybody thinks of, and so I'm sure Boise State fans uh, take a little pride in that, but let, let's kind of go back to the Broncos being basically the only powerhouse G5 team that did not get a P5 invite, which they could get one eventually if expansion continues. But Boise State, Ben, has the 21st best record in the country in the last decade. That's really impressive. And if you were a Bronco fan, do you think would you feel snubbed for being left out? Sure, absolutely I'd feel snubbed. But guess what? I, and, and go ahead, Boise State message boards. Mark this down and, and keep it for when I'm wrong. You're not getting into a P5. Like Boise State, and I'm, I'm not talking out of passion. I'm talking that just, I, like I've covered expansion before in the early 2000, 2011. I covered it this time around with BYU. Boise State doesn't add value to a Power 5 conference because it's not about records on the field. It's not about those type of things. It's about the school. It's about the brand. It's about the fan base and what it brings to the table. And Boise State has a passionate fan base, but that fan base is very local, and it's not as big and nationwide as other fan bases. It doesn't bring you a recruiting base. It doesn't bring you a television market worth worth the value or the streaming eyeballs now that we're going to the streaming age. It's just as far as value, like when I'm talking about value, I'm talking about those things. Boise State doesn't bring the value, and, and there's not a lot of conferences that want to split that money, uh, that pie up, a little bit more just because they're bringing in a team with a good record. And and it's sad, but this is a business. College football is a business, and Boise State is not a good business decision for a Power 5 conference. They just aren't. Mm, and that is the, 
it is true, and it's got to be tough for the fans to hear. And like, <laughs> they probably will put that on their their boards. They they, they can uh, hate me but... all they want. At Ben Bags, send them in. Let's go. <laughs> but but at their core, they got to know it's true. It's 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 Idaho, and Idaho is a phenomenal state. I I love me some Idaho, but if you some Idaho potatoes as well. Uh, but if you think about how impressive it is when you think of all those things that how well they have done in the last 20 years, despite not, you know, not being in, in a big market and being able to recruit um, a wide variety of different players. Why do you think they've been so good? Is it because they can bring in these kind of Taysom Hill types, Ben from, from Idaho that come? Well, why do you think Boise State has done so well, despite those, those downfalls? Chris Peterson. Um, Chris Peterson mm. walked in there. He had a system. He knew that he wasn't going to have the greatest talent, so he created a system that allowed him to maximize the talent that he did have. And he they he had his teams executing that vision, that system, at an extremely high level. They knew it inside and out. So they could play for, trip up, and beat a big-time team because that was their one-off. That was their big game. Now, as Chris Peterson's left, and we're now two coaches removed from Chris Peterson, you're starting to see that system change a little bit, and there's not that dry, that vision of, hey, this is what Boise State football is all about. I'm curious, Lauren, going forward, like, has, have they seen their best days? Like, can they sustain that success? Because we've seen a chink in the armor, not just this year, but in recent years. Like, are they going to be able to continue or get back to that where they're they're a 10-win? Hey, pencil them in for the Mount West Conference Championship every year before we even take the vote. But they're not that right now. And I'm curious to see if they can get back there because I'm not convinced they can. That's a good question because because – especially with BYU getting into the Big 12 because BYU is now going to have the edge on all those recruits where they were kind of bouncing back and forth between BYU and Boise State and some of those other teams because, like we mentioned before, they were on the same playing level. You know, they're on the same playing field, and now BYU uh, is kind of moving onward and upward. And uh, so it, it will it'll be interesting to see what happens to Boise State. But I think I, I love the rivalry. I love the games that have been played. I, as much as I hate the blue turf, I also love it because it makes the games so interesting. Uh, and they do have a phenomenal fan base. And speaking of their great fans, Ben, last week against Nevada, maybe you saw this, Boise State had a fan take a shirt off and run across the field as the players were lining up. And I guess it took forever to take him down because he was super fast. And I think one of the players had to trip trip him to get him down. Uh, it was the loudest the stadium got the whole night. They were cheering this guy on as he was running down the field. It was good stuff. So even more respect for the Broncos fan base after that. But with things like that, do you find it funny when fans do that? Or do you think that's annoying? I think we've had this conversation, Lauren, about my feelings about fans on the field. And it's not good. You don't even like when they rush the field, right? No. Like at the end of a game, you don't even like No, that. no, no. You don't belong on the field. It's death field. I know. That's an unpopular decision. Once again, at Ben Bags, don't at me, bro. <laughs> or do at him. Yeah, come bring it. come up with bring some it. good responses. Bring it. All right, Ben, thank you so much for taking the time with me, my friend. You are phenomenal as always. And up next, the man that gets paid to be the ultimate fan you guys professional crowd igniter cameron hughes joins me next on cougar tailgate
Welcome back to Cougar Tailgate. I'm Lauren McLean. On this show, we like to talk about things from the fans' perspective and get to know fans from all around the country. Well, joining me now is the man who gets paid to be the ultimate and biggest fan in the arena. Let's welcome on professional crowd igniter Cameron Hughes. Cameron, thank you so much for coming on with me. Let's ignite. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do this. Oh, my gosh. I love you already. Okay, I have to know, how did you begin your career as a professional fan? Well, I mean, there's like a few different iterations of it. Like, I was the guy in high school who didn't quite make the team. So I had, a, a, like, a defining moment where I didn't make the basketball team. I thought I was going to be, you know, I was going to be crushed, right? You know, you think it's so important. Right. And then I, I went to my my the guys who did make it I went to their first away game by myself I'm the only one in the away gym and I start to dance and go not dance but like go crazy in my seat and be super vocal um all the guys on the team thought I was going to get killed and it just sort of ignited this spark in me and then you know it kind of grew and at university I wore a watermelon on my head and a purple cape and then the big moment really was uh, at an NHL hockey game where I got up and started to dance in front of 10,000 people um, without a mask or a cape on or a watermelon <laughs> and just went for it. And it sparked this crazy career. So is that how you've always been? Like since you were a little kid, were you always kind of the, the crazy one making everyone laugh? What, what were you like as a kid? I was actually really shy early days. Um, and then, you know, I grew up in a, in Ottawa from, I'm from Canada and we grew up in a pretty social environment and, sort of, you know, it blossomed from there, I guess you could say. And my, you know, like dancing around the living room table and I was horrible, but my parents were like, oh, you're great, you know? And uh, <laughs> I was like, I'm the guy that's a good, bad dancer, right? You know, and I'm the guy that's <laughs> not afraid to say, let's have some fun. And it doesn't mean I'm reckless with it in the sense of like, you know, I've been doing this a long time. So you learn when a crowd needs, you know, a spark, right? You don't just right. go crazy like the Tasmanian devil and, and drive everyone nuts. So you did, so you, you kind of went crazy in high school. You did it at a game in college and then at the hockey game. So when did you know, when did you wake up and you were like, you know what? I could do this for a living. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, that's kind of like the looking back, I think it happened after I went and did it at another arena in Toronto. I was doing it in Ottawa, my hometown. And then I went to like a Toronto's a big, big city. And the fans there responded kind of the same way they had in Ottawa where I started. And then I went to the States and um, tried it there. And then I, after I got it, went to the States, tried it at three different arenas and three different days, NHL, NBA games. And I realized, Lauren, the fans want the same things, right? They want to be moved by human interaction, by spontaneity, um, by stuff that's in the crowd. They don't just want to always be prompted by video boards and, you know, be told what to do on, uh, you know, on, uh, from PA reads. So that was the moment for me. And it just added up and I was like, how can I make a living doing this? And, you know, and just kind of kept growing from there. So cool. So I'm, I'm assuming that's not what you majored in in college. What, what are people's reactions <laughs> when you tell them about your occupation? What are, what are their reactions? Oh, they, they, they just, a lot of them don't understand it. Like, sorry, what you do, what, you know, like, um, <laughs> I used to tell people jokingly, well, what did you study in university? Back to what you said. I'm like, oh, crowd enhancement. And they're like, really? <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm n no, I didn't really study that. Um, it's always a funny conversation because it's, um, it can go down different ways. You know, um, people, 
people are like, and then it's like my one friend said to me, which was great. He gave a toast at an event I had. He said, Cameron's my only friend where I have to get out my phone and show him what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that was such a great line. I never thought of it that way. So cool. Speaking of, I did get to see uh, a few videos of you and you have so much energy. It's, it really is contagious. I love it. I would assume you don't want to pull any muscles or any of those dance moves you're doing. How do you prepare for each event that you attend? Well, yeah, I mean, that's a good question because I, you know, you have to take it seriously. You know, I, I take what I do seriously, not myself, obviously. I mean, look what I do, right? Um, but you know, I have a pregame nap. I go to the arena like an hour and a half for two hours early. I meet with the production team. I stretch, I drink a lot of water. I drink throat tea. I get a locker room and I kind of like set myself up for game day, you know, and, um, you know, you plan the right moments and you give a lot of energy. So you've got to, you know, be on. Right. So I've learned over the years what it takes to be on, what it takes to be in the right zone and the right flow. And, and give my energy to people. Cause you know, if you really think about it, you look at it, you know, I've had time to study this is people are buying my energy because you don't know what's going to happen on the field or on the court or on the, you know, on the ice. But if you can guarantee them a good time in the stands, I think you can win as well. Right. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's just like an athlete. It's what you get paid for. So you have to take care of yourself. When, when you're at a game doing your thing, does anybody know you're paid or do they think you're just a random fan in the crowd? At first, like if I've never been to an arena, like if I've been to a, I go to a stadium and they're like, oh my God, who's that guy? But then they keep <laughs> seeing me like running around the stadium and twirling shirts and ripping shirts off and, you know, pushing, pushing it a bit in the sense of like all access, right? <laughs> Yes, uh, people absolutely. Are like, wait a minute, what's going on here? You know, like, <laughs> wait a minute. And so, um, and then there's a lot of arenas where I've been a lot, uh, multiple times, and they kind of expect me to do crazy, you know, intros and, you know, come out with the bells and whistles. So it's a it's a funny balance, but it's kind of goes back to like knowing your audience, right? Mm-hmm. And so knowing knowing what their mindset, what their attitude is, what their win loss record is, and you know, and as, as you know, like. Some fans have more engagement and energy than others. So it's like, how do you play your part in that? So so what do you do if the audience won't really engage in your energy? Have you ever had an experience like that? I run for my life, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it's challenging. I mean, you're, that's literally what you're there. They're, they've hired you to do, right? So right. I've had, oh yeah, I've had tons of moments like that where it's like that maybe it was the wrong time when I got up to get them going or they're losing or they're, you know, it's snowing or cold or rainy or, you know, like all these different <laughs> situations and, or you're at a stadium that, you know, nobody showed up and there's like a hundred people and it's a 10,000 seat stadium. You're like, what? You know, and luckily I haven't had a lot of those. You got to dig deep and find your switch really, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, and you know, it's you know, even saying it, you realize like, it's not easy. You know I mean? You're a human being trying to get other human beings to react to you to have more fun. And there's no fun in the fun meter in their world. (laughs) So what do you do? Right. Right. No, I think, I think that'd be really hard in your position too, to, to be able to keep up that energy when everyone's like, wah, wah, wah. Is it, is it hard for you sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. Like, for sure. I mean, you've got to find, um, you know, for me, I find other fans and try to get them into it. And then 
get the other fans to feed off that. Um, you know, I'll get them up dancing. I'll get them up twirling t-shirts. And um, I don't know, like, what would you do if the crowd wasn't re- reacting? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. That's why I'm glad I don't I, do it for a living. <laughs> I know, but I'm just like I need some tips. I mean, I, I think a lot of it, situation, I'd probably just sit down. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I mean, that's why giving free T-shirts is always like a good, you know. I rip off T-shirts and give T-shirts to the fans. Um, I think the other thing is uh, you wait for better timing. You know, I mean, a lot of yeah. the time, you know, if your team's like scores like a touchdown or whatever the game is, and they're down you know, you don't want to go at them right away and go, come on, you know, like, wait a minute, give me a second to pause here and reflect on, you know, us being not very good right now. Absolutely. Oh man. So much fun. And you've been to so many cool events. What would you say is one of the coolest moments you've been able to be a part of? Full moment would be, you know, center court at the U S open tennis in New York. Uh, after a match, I I'd been, performing there a few years and had some interactions with some of the tennis players and one in particular, Novak Djokovic, like the best tennis player right now in the world. Right. Uh, <laughs> they called me down on center court live on ESPN after the match. And we're, there we are on center court twirling. I love New York t-shirts and getting the crowd going. And, you know, it looks a bit planned, but I promise you is I'm not that, that clever. You know, it was a, <laughs> it was just a really cool, cool moment of, um, you know, I think the crowd appreciated it too because athletes care, right? They care how much mm-hmm. fans are energized and having fun because it helps them. Absolutely. Wow, Djokovic. That's really, really cool. And who knew he would – I watched that video. I I was actually surprised that he would go and do something like that when really all you see him do is play tennis. People can come across a lot differently than they actually are in person. Did it surprise you a little bit when he did that? I had had an interaction with him like a few years earlier, but at the same time, it's on center court. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't. I was more surprised that I was allowed to do it than he was into it. Um, you know, I mean, I, I had the Rod, I had Roger Federer doing the wave, but it was at like his charity event. So that's way different, right? Um, right. I, I've had some other, you know, fun moments with athletes, but it's a little more uh, controlled, right? Live Absolutely. on ESPN is a little different. And I think for me, what I've learned is like, is, is to how to own and create and help create the luck that you get from these spontaneous moments. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and when they happen to, to go for it, not, not hold back, go, Oh, should I do this? You know, we're always so mm-hmm. worried about what everyone else thinks. And it's like, you got to jump, right? <laughs> I love that. Let, let your freak flag fly. That's, that's hard to say. Freak flag. Yeah, freak uh, I love. Yeah, yeah, try and say that three times fast. Uh, I love that you do that. That's so much fun. You've been to thousands of events throughout your career. What impact have you seen that fans themselves can have on a game? What impact have you seen? Well, it was funny. I mean, you know, it's gonna it's gonna sound egotistical, but whatever. It's like when I first started performing in Ottawa in an NHL arena. You know, NHL is the biggest level in hockey. The team was horrible and. The guys that hired the guy that hired me said I was responsible for a goal every game that I was at, and I was like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Well, you get the crowd into such a frenzy that it makes the players play better, which then makes, um, you know, the team play better, which makes you know what I mean." So right. I, I think that saying that, what I mean is like, there's an attitude when you when a, when a sports team walks into a stadium or arena, 
and you know the fans are crazy and they're loud and they're engaged, like you're excited to play there, but you also know that they're not cheering for you, right? Right. Um, so with, when they are cheering for you, it just fires you up. Like, you know, we haven't had fans, you know, we now we, we are in different ways and different levels, but, you know, a lot of the NHL and NBA and, you know, different athletes now that are going back to having full, you know, more full stadiums, I think their performance goes up. They, they would tell you it would, you know, so right. it, it makes a huge impact. You know, I hope all, all the fans listening are taking notes of the impact that you can have on a game. I love it. Uh, you have to muster up, Cameron, so much energy for each event. How does that impact your life when you're not working? Are you exhausted? <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, you've got to, I mean, I'm no expert at it. I, I've had moments where, you know, you, you the come down is real. You, like you go on tour for three weeks and then you get back home and you're, drained and you know you you don't want to go too low right i mean just because it's you give so much so i've right. learned to try to balance that a lot better um and, and then you learn when and how to give your energy because you know that's what i'm giving right and people want energy in life and so i uh look i'm i'm super lucky to be able to do all these cool things and to give as much as i can so um, but I want to give more. And then when you want to give more, you've got to save a bit more too. Right. If that makes sense. Yep. It definitely does. Do you ever get to bring friends or family with you to any of these events? They don't want to come with me. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we, yeah, we don't we, want any part of that. <laughs> there's nothing better. Uh, you know, all kidding aside, I I've performed in, I think it's 42 States or 40 something. And you know, all across Canada, 10 different countries. There's nothing better when there's someone that you know pretty well in the crowd. It's just such a, right. even if it's a 20,000 seat stadium and you know, one person who's like your cousin, your friend, your whatever. Right. <laughs> um, it's just cool. It's cool to, uh, to have that person there going, Hey, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm watching over you, you know? Absolutely. It makes all the difference. You are incredible. Cameron Hughes, professional crowd crowd igniter. Thank you so much for coming on with me. So much fun that you get to do that for a living. I'm actually pretty jealous and uh, good luck with everything moving forward, my friend. Thank you. You know, I, by the way, I even wrote a book about it. Oh yeah. Tell me about your book. Yeah. King of cheer. I wrote a book. It's all a collection of stories uh, from my crazy career, you know, the highs and lows, the lessons learned, the great moments, the high, um, you know, the lower moments. And it's, it takes people on a journey and don't worry, college students. It's short stories. And there's pictures, <laughs> Lauren, there's pictures. Hey, you know, your audience. Well, very yeah. smart. King of very cheer. Smart. I mean, there King you go. Of cheer, everybody, everybody go get it. I love it so much. Cameron, thank you so much again. You're awesome. Thank you guys. I appreciate you.